Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Welcome back to the SUFU podcast for our FPMRS Fellowship Series. I'm here with Dr. Eric Romner, uh, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his fellowship. Thank you, Rena. So uh, we have a uh, one-year uh, fellowship at the Medical University of South Carolina. Uh, we accept uh, essentially all urologists. We've not had a gynecologist uh, either fully apply or uh, uh, complete the uh, fellowship. Uh, we have uh, a fairly diverse program uh, that uh, covers uh, uh, the full uh, field of uh, female urology, but we also cover uh, male reconstruction, neurogenic reconstruction, uh, and a variety of uh, male voiding dysfunction as well. That's great. Um, how many faculty are in the program? We have a total of five faculty and uh, two nurse practitioners. Uh, the faculty consists of myself uh, as the program director. We have Ross Ramis, who uh, does essentially uh, everything that we do, plus a little bit of uh, general urology. Uh, Lindsay Cox, who's our robotic specialist. Uh, and then we have two uh, gynecologists, uh, uh, urogynecologists, uh, Stephen Swift, a professor of, of uh, gynecology at the Medical University, and Autumn Edenfield. So the fellows get uh, exposure uh, in the operating room uh, to all five of us uh, in the clinic. Uh, they don't spend any time with the urogynecologists in, in clinic, uh, but they do spend a fair amount of time in clinic with uh, the urology faculty. Okay, and so what's the, what's the general schedule like for the fellow during that year? The, uh, we, we look at the uh, fellowship in, in three uh, parts. Uh, the first part is the clinical uh, responsibilities of the fellow. So uh, on, on Mondays, the fellow's in the operating room uh, with uh, myself. Uh, and uh, Dr. Swift. Uh, we each have uh, ORs uh, running, and the fellow essentially chooses what they would like to do. Uh, most of the time, the fellow's uh, spending most of the time with me, but occasionally uh, there'll be uh, something uh, that Dr. Swift is doing that, that the fellow will want to be involved in. On Tuesdays, uh, the fellow's in the operating room with uh, Dr. Ramis. Uh, again, a full day of operating with Dr. Ramis. On Wednesday, uh, the fellow was with me in clinic, uh, and uh, that consists of uh, seeing uh, dozens of patients, as well as uh, doing a fair number of uh, video urodynamic studies, uh, uh, regular non-video urodynamic studies, and then office-based procedures, uh, uh, PTNS, uh, PNEs, uh, Botox, uh, bulking agents, that sort of thing. And all that's happening all at the same time on Wednesdays, and that's a full clinic day, and it's a busy day. Mm-hmm. On Thursdays, the fellow uh, spends uh, their operating day with um, Dr. Cox, a lot of robotics, uh, all reconstructive robotics, uh, and to a lesser degree with Dr. Edenfield. Again, uh, lots of robotic surgery and prolapse surgery. Uh, and then on Friday, uh, there is a uh, alternating clinic day for the residents. So on every other Friday, uh, there with Dr. Ramis and his office hours, again, doing uh, urodynamics and office-based procedures and seeing patients. On the other Friday, uh, the fellow uh, has their own clinic, Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, uh, takes place in our uh, clinics. Uh, uh, while the fellow is in the clinic, uh, they have the, the uh, full array of services available to any of the faculty. Um, 
They are essentially responsible for their clinic. They uh, evaluate and manage their patients. Uh, we discuss uh, the patients either uh, during clinic or after clinic. I'm available uh, in the same building, but not in the same office on that Friday uh, that the resident has their independent clinic. Um, so that's the, that's the clinical part of the fellowship. Then there's, uh, it's going to sound pithy, but it's a, a scholarly portion. Uh, that is, uh, the, the fellow will have one or more projects to do throughout the year. Uh, we uh, teach the fellows how to peer review papers. Uh, there'll be some academic projects. We have lots of databases from which the fellow can uh, either uh, uh, have their own uh, project from our databases or they may choose to develop their own database on, on another topic. Uh, there'll be book chapters to write and review papers to do the usual things uh, of fellowship. And then the third part of the fellowship is a, um, we'll call it a teaching part. And, and in that part of the fellowship, the, uh, every other Tuesday, uh, the fellow has a conference that the fellow organizes. And uh, uh, once a month, that conference is a management conference. So we talk about difficult cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other Tuesday of the month, uh, the fellow has a conference that gives to the residents uh, and faculty on the topics of their choosing. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a good way for the fellow to develop a set of slides that they can then build on for the rest of, uh, rest of their career. But that's basically their responsibilities. That's great. Do they have any exposure to other rotations or things like that during that year? They have uh, free reign to uh, spend as much time as they want with the gynecologists. Uh, obviously, we have... Uh, uh, other services that we interact with, uh, uh, general surgery, uh, colorectal surgery, uh, that we often do combined cases. So to that, to, to that extent, yes, they have interaction with other services. Okay, great. Are there any call requirements for the fellows? Yes, so the fellow actually takes call as a faculty member. Uh, we have um, 11 faculty and two fellows, so you take call one week at a time. Uh, when the fellow takes call, I back up the fellow. So uh, if the fellow is at all worried that they can't handle something, uh, I'm available by telephone uh, and usually in town to, uh, to assist them. Uh, so uh, we, we make it a point that the fellow always has backup and they never feel sort of alone on a limb. But it's, it's a good experience to learn how to take call and the responsibilities that go along with patient care. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where have your past fellows gone into practice? So about a third of the fellows uh, go into academic practice and about two-thirds uh, into private practice. So we have uh, fellows in uh, Boston, in, on the West Coast, uh, in Atlanta, uh, in the Midwest, uh, several in the Southeast. Um, so uh, geographically spread out. Cool. Great. What do you think your biggest strength is? I think the, the biggest strength of our fellowship is uh, by the time you finish, uh, you are, in effect, uh, qualified to do virtually any case that you could possibly come across in reconstructive urology. And that, that, that includes everything from the sort of the simplest case uh, to the most complicated neurogenic or, or mesh uh, complex case uh, in reconstruction. And, and we really make, uh, I think, uh, we make or manufacture, I don't know what the right word is, uh, a really quality uh, graduate. I'm, 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 I'm pleased, uh, without exception, uh, to, put, uh, to put our name MUSC on, on all of our fellows. That's, that's really wonderful. Is there anything that you are actively changing for the fellowship or you foresee change in the future? Uh, nothing in the immediate future. Um, 
we, we of course, would, would love to find a, a protected academic time to do a little bit more uh, scholarly activity. Uh, uh, we, would, we would love to figure out a way to uh, have less electronic medical records, uh, but like everybody else, I struggle with both of those issues. Uh, we, we've recently gotten some scribes uh, in the practice, which has helped considerably with, with EMR, but uh, 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 we, we would love to have more scribes and, and, and less EMR. Great. Yeah, I think everyone would love that. <laughs> um, and lastly, what's it like to live in Charleston? I mean, I've heard it's a lovely city. Yeah, Charleston's uh, high quality of life uh, amongst uh, amongst the, the highest quality of life in the United States. Uh, uh, for the last, I don't know, four or five years, Travel and Leisure's rated Charleston uh, the number one destination. It's a wonderful city, uh, uh, year-round uh, mild climate. Uh, the uh, restaurants are terrific. We were, we were number one. Uh, a city in Gourmet Magazine a number of years ago for restaurants in the in the United States, uh, which is pretty good considering San Francisco and New York and Los yeah, Angeles and yeah. Chicago. Um, there is an abundance of outdoor activities, fishing and hunting and, and golf and tennis. And uh, there's a symphony orchestra. There's a, a stage company, uh, that multiple stage companies. So uh, whatever your activity, it's a, it's a wonderful place to spend a year uh, uh, and once people visit, they tend to, to, to like Charleston a fair amount. So you'll leave well-trained and well-fed. Correct, yes. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Rena. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Sufu Podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SuFuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.